0: Good morning, Christian world and all of our family on Church Online. I thank you for celebrating this day with us. We are celebrating the victory of our risen Lord. I want to thank you for sharing this on Facebook or whatever platform you're watching on. And uh, you know what we're doing for the healthcare workers. And this is just a day to celebrate our risen Lord. In fact, we're all celebrating today because of something that happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. I was reading something this week. I like to start with something funny, said, this man was on a family trip to Jerusalem. The man's mother-in-law died and while they were there, he was making arrangements to get his mother-in-law back home. And So they met with the consulate and he said, we have two choices here. We can bury your mother-in-law here in Jerusalem for $150 or we can send her back to the United States for $5,000. After some thought, the man said, I think I'm gonna send her back to the United States for 5,000. The consulate said, man, you sure must have loved your mother-in-law. The man said, no, it's not so much of that. I remember that I heard about a case years ago where somebody died over here and they buried him and he came back after four days and I just can't take that chance. I want to talk about unexpected things that happen in our lives. You're sitting in your living room today unexpectedly. We've been under, under a stay-at-home order unexpectedly. We're celebrating Easter for the first time in as long as we can remember, not in the church house, but in your house unexpectedly. So I want to, I'm, I'm going to start a sermon series today, and I'm going to be talking the next few weeks how God takes the unexpected things of our lives and turns them into the greatest blessings of our lives. We sang the song here this morning that he is the God of the turnaround. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. That's what God does. In fact, you will remember in If you weren't here, you can go back and listen. The first sermon of this year, we declared that this, 2020, is the year of the turnaround. It's the year of God taking what the enemy meant for evil and working it for your good. That's been our theme all year long, and I'm still declaring it even in your living room right now. Whatever is going on, God causes all things to work together for our good. I want to talk about the unexpected element of Calvary, the unexpected element of the crucifixion, and the unexpected element of the resurrection. That's what God does for you. He he takes unexpected situations, and, and God will take unexpected negatives and turn them into undeniable positives. I love the story of my father, flying Congressman Mike Parker from Macomb, Mississippi, To Washington, D.C. They were traveling uh, close to midnight, and my dad was taking him and his twin-engine airplane, and they lost an engine over the East Mountains of of East Tennessee. That was unexpected. So my dad gets it, and of course, he he flies the the twin-engine the way that you're supposed to. You lean into the good engine, and so he's doing everything right. They're coming in for final approach, and it strikes midnight, and the lights go out that's unexpected. Have you ever noticed that when one unexpected thing, thing happens, it, it seems like they begin to compound? My dad had to do a go-around with one engine. Congressman Mike Parker, also a pilot. In fact, he, he may be watching this service with us this morning, He was a pilot of a single-engine plane, and so he's thinking, my dad is having trouble keeping it straight and level, so he's trying to help my dad level the plane, but you don't fly a a twin-engine plane level when you lose an engine. You lean into the good engine, so my dad had to do a go-around, and after the lights went out, he got them on safely, and my dad said they were kissing his feet and kissing the ground, but Congressman Mike Parker told my dad later, he said, you know, Rev, it actually worked out good. Because when I got to Washington, D.C., everybody wanted to hear my story, and they wanted to hear what I had to say. Listen, that's what God does in our life. He takes those disappointments, those unexpected events, and works them for our favor. I want to ask you, think about that girlfriend you thought you couldn't live without, but aren't you glad you didn't wind up with her? That boyfriend. How about that job? You thought you had to have that job, but then a few weeks later, you learned that that company was out of business. How about the cruise you wanted to go on for spring break just a few weeks ago, but you missed that cruise, and aren't you glad now that you weren't on a cruise ship when this pandemic hit? Sometimes your biggest disappointment becomes your greatest opportunity and your greatest blessing because God takes our surprises and turns them into blessings. I want to ask you, what has been your biggest surprise during this stay-at-home time, during this during this pandemic in fact on all of our platforms whether you're church online on our website and and by the way there are hosts there to pray with you to take your questions to to answer uh, anything you have but i wish right now you would type in what has been your biggest surprise of shelter in place staying at home have have you been surprised at at uh, eating at home or maybe how much money you've saved by not eating out or Maybe have you been surprised at how much you've gotten on one another's nerves, all being up in each other's space and, and closed in? Have you, have you been surprised being a school teacher, school at home? Have you been surprised by, by maybe becoming a chef? I know in our home, our two girls have become such great chefs. They're cooking all the time. And of course, my wife has always been a great cook, but my girls, they're cooking. And, and we've just been so surprised by, by so many things in this time. What is your greatest surprise? And here's what I want to remind you. God takes those unexpected events of our life and he turns them to our blessing. Listen, I'm preaching to, a, to an empty building today. I'm, I'm preaching to an empty room. This Easter morning, no one is here In your normal chair, that's unexpected. And yet God will meet you where you are, wherever you're sitting or wherever you're standing, wherever you are, he will be there with you. God takes those things that catch us off guard and he guards us to catch the blessings from the things that didn't surprise him. Did it ever dawn on you that nothing catches God by surprise? I want to just say as a church, thank God we've not caught the virus, but we have caught the vision. We're not not people that, that don't care. We are people of caution, but we are also people of courage. We aren't running and hiding. We are Zooming and thriving. When I say Zoom, what do you think about? I want to ask you, how many of you have been on more Zoom calls the last 21 days than you've been all the rest of your life combined? I was on a Zoom call with... Some of our leaders and some that have been making calls for me and I was having a Zoom meeting with them and I looked and there's John and Nancy Hudson, great members of this church and they said this is our first time to ever be on a Zoom call and are we doing it right? Listen, Zoom has made it possible for us to stay connected and stay face to face. I want to connect with you today. If if you're a guest, we're gonna have a meet the pastor right after this service, but we're we're zooming and we're thriving in this time because. God is going to take what the enemy meant for evil and work for good. In fact, that really summarizes the story of Easter. What came as a surprise to the disciples, even Jesus' own mother was surprised. Everybody was surprised. It came unexpected to them. But Jesus knew. He knew all the time. He knew how the story would end. And in fact, God has a good ending for your story. Stick around for it. Don't miss the good ending. Don't give up before the victory comes in your story. What surprises God, or or rather, what surprises us does not surprise God. God didn't wake up one morning and, and see a headline and say, Oh my, what are we gonna do with this situation? God didn't look and get a text from Gabriel one morning that said, hey God, have you heard of COVID-19? Have you heard of the pandemic that is sweeping the world? He didn't say, God, have you seen what's happened to the stock market? None of that happened. None of that took God by surprise. He already knew. Nothing that happens in our life comes as a surprise to God. That's the story of the resurrection. Jesus took what the enemy meant to stop the church to stop you, to stop this, this, this Jesus that is claiming to be the Christ, the son of the living God. The enemy tried to stop him, but God took what the enemy meant to stop the church and he birthed a worldwide family. And God gives an opportunity today for every one of us to be a part of that. That's how God works. The resurrection, it foiled Satan's plans Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Paul was so convinced of the, of the authenticity and the reality of the resurrected Lord. In fact, he met, he met him. The disciples were convinced of it. In fact, the, the proof of the resurrection it is one of the most attested and well-proven miracles in all of history. Over 300 direct prophecies from the Old Testament were fulfilled in the resurrection. They say that in order to predict the winner of March Madness, and a lot of people are mad that March Madness didn't get to March, but if you could predict the winner of that, they say your chances are 1 in 2.4 trillion. But they said with just 8 of the Old Testament prophecies... Jesus being that one, and Jesus resurrecting from the dead. If you were able to get just, just eight of those prophecies of those 300 correct, that that would be a one in 100,000 trillion chance. That's right. That's, that's 17 zeros. That's a lot. But Jesus fulfilled it because he was the Christ. Jesus spent 40 days after the resurrection hanging out in Jerusalem, he didn't just say, bye, friends, and then uh, after he raised and, and ascended to heaven and leave them, he walked around, he ate meals with them, he talked to people. At one time, he even spoke to as many as 500, and they said, as the, as the writer Paul was writing, he said, and many of you who were there are still alive today. Listen, the, the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot be argued, but I will tell you what is the, one of the greatest proofs of the reality is a changed life, a life that was broken but now healed by the power of God, a life that was devastated but now put back together by the power of God. Second Corinthians chapter five, I love this verse. It said that Jesus included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Jesus has given you the opportunity to participate in the resurrection life. It's the greatest proof of that resurrection power is a changed life. You know, some think if you look good, you feel good. If you have the goods, then you've got the good life. But there's only one problem with the good life. It's not good enough. You were made for more than just the good life. You were made for more than success, for more than survival. You were made for significance. And the only way you'll find significance is through the Creator. Discovering your purpose in God, it comes from a relationship with the Creator. In fact, if we have some little books I'd love to give you. Just connect with one of your, your church online hosts. I will send you a, a small booklet about finding purpose in your life. You can look good and feel good and have the goods, but you need a better life. Listen, I've I've talked to people who had all of those things, all of the staples of happiness and life, but still have no meaning. But Jesus said, I came to give you life, and that more abundantly, to live the full life. Colossians chapter one, it says this in verse 16, everything, absolutely everything, got started in Christ and finds its purpose in him. The only way you're going to find your purpose is in this risen Christ that I'm talking to you about today. The way, that, the way that Christ came back to life says, I have purpose for your life, and that means you, whoever you are and wherever you are. It is in Christ we find out who we are. Paul wrote that to the church at Ephesus. He said this, In chapter 1, he said it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that we find out what we're here for. I want to just tell you, regardless of who you are, where you're from, it's only in Christ that you're really going to find meaning and purpose and peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He carried all of our sickness. He carried all of our sin. He carried all our failure to the cross. In fact, I want to just close with these three points of of the blessing that happened from Calvary's cross and the resurrection. I want to tell you three things that he did when he came out of that grave. The first thing, Jesus carried my sin and my failure to Calvary's cross. That gives us hope because you don't have to be perfect. That that crucified the perfection clause. The, The perfection feeling that we all have to be perfect and we have to have it all together and we have to know everything and we have to be just prim and proper. Look, God has taken care. He is the perfect lamb slain from the foundation of the earth and you don't have to be perfect. In fact, this book, one man said, from generations to revolutions But from Genesis to Revelation, it's filled with people who were imperfect. It's full of stories. Abraham was too old. Jacob was insecure. Joseph was abused. Leah was unattractive. Gideon was poor and fearful. Samson was codependent. David had an affair. and David had all kinds of family problems. But he found God and he became a man after God's heart. The prophet Elijah was one time suicidal. Rahab a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ and yet there was a time in her life she was immoral John the Baptist was eccentric Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered maybe some of us have been dealing with that in close quarters they say domestic violence has gone up now with the stay-at-home order tempers are raging and flaring but God wants to calm us and give us his peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. One of my mentors said to me, you know what that means? Anything that that comes along to chastise your peace, he's already carried it to the cross. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. God uses imperfect people. The second benefit that we see when he came out of the tomb, Jesus created a family for me. Jesus created a family for you. You don't have to be alone. That solves the problem of loneliness. It solves the problem of being alone. In fact, Jesus, while he's hanging on the cross, he's thinking of his mother. And he says, Mother, I don't want you to be alone. I'm leaving, but behold your son. And he says to John, Behold your mother. Jesus was thinking of loneliness and aloneness even while he was on that cross. You don't have to be alone. God's family includes all races. In fact, we celebrate the fact that we're an all-nation congregation. I hold you close to my heart. I carry this list of 55 nations. I carry it in my Bible and have it with me. And I thought this morning, if you're from a different nation, if you would type that into the church host, if you happen to be from a a new nation that's not representing our congregation, we'll send you a special gift. So just type in what nation you're from because we are an all-nation congregation. We're a point of grace For every race, God's family is open, and he just says, whosoever will, let him come. See, early on, it was just two classes of people. It was Jews. That was God's chosen people, and then there were Gentiles. That's all the rest of us, but he broke down that wall, and I want to show you this this verse in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 says this, Christ has made peace between Jews and Gentiles by making us all one family. By making us all one family and breaking down the wall of hostility that separated people. God doesn't want division. God wants us to be unified. God wants us to be together. Verse 19, now we are no longer considered foreigners or outsiders, but we all can be fellow citizens and members of God's family. God wants you to be a part of his family. I love in Acts chapter 10, it says this, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. There's an open door for you. I'm going to close with this third point. The third blessing that we see from Jesus' resurrection, him going through all of the things that he went through, all of the unexpected things, details of his life, his death, his burial, thank God the resurrection, Jesus conquered fear for me. He created a family for me. He carried my sin and failure. But Jesus conquered fear for me. That takes care of the fear problem. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live and dwell in fear and torment regardless of what's going on around you. God doesn't want you to live in fear. The phrase, fear not, is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. That's once for every day he reminds you, fear not. In fact, this is so interesting to me. When Mary and Mary came to the tomb on that Sunday morning that we're celebrating right now, do you know the first words Jesus said to them? In Matthew 28, chapter, chapter 28, verse 9 and 10, the first words Jesus said to them was, don't be afraid, fear not. He conquered the fear problem And he doesn't want you to be afraid. He conquered that. In Hebrews 2 and 15, it says that he took care of the fear of dying. In the early church, people were baffled that those early believers, they were not afraid of death. They believed in him even unto the death. And he did that so that you don't have to fear today. I want to speak peace to you in your home. I want to speak uh, fear be gone. I want to speak the peace of God to you in your life. I want to close with this story. I opened with a story about my dad flying in on one engine with Congressman Mike Parker, and I'm going to close with another story about my dad and flying. I remember I was a little boy, and my dad would would take his instrument charts and books and, and stack them up because I was I was too little to see over the dash, and so he would pile me up on those and i'd buckle in and i'd say daddy i got this and he taught me to fly as a little boy i remember one time though my father had his instrument rating and instrument pilots have to learn to trust the instruments i want to tell you something when you're in a storm you can't trust how you feel because god is real no matter how i feel And you may be in the middle of a storm right now. We're in the midst of a pandemic across our world and you may have lost your job or you may have lost a loved one or you may have heard that someone you love is is sick. I don't know what storm you're in right now. Maybe your income is down. Maybe your family relationships are tough, but God has peace for you. We're in the middle of that storm and I said, Daddy, it feels like we're going down. And Dad said, no, son, I have a, I have an indicator, I have an instrument that tells me we're not going down. I I have to trust the instrument, I can't trust what we feel like. Spatial disorientation, it will get a hold of you when you can't see your way. I'm telling you, when you can't see your way and you can't feel your way, you have to trust your way. You have to go with what you know. A few moments later I said, Dad, it feels like we're in a turn and he said, no son. I have a turn indicator, and it says we're, we're not in a turn. We're straight and level. I said, Dad, it feels like this plane is coming apart. And he said, no, this plane is stronger than you think. Finally, my dad had just looked at me, and he said, Son, if you'll just trust me, I'm going to get you safely to our destination. And so I said, Dad, I don't understand, and I don't feel it, but I trust you. Because my dad had never let me down. You know what? I can hear our father saying today, just like my dad said, if you'll trust me, I'll get you safely to your destination. God wants to hold you in the palm of his hand, that safe hand, that safe place, that place of peace. I want to encourage you, say yes to Jesus. I don't know what your next step is, Why don't you connect with your service host? Find some way of saying a next yes to Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, why don't you just type Jesus? Just type that beautiful name. Listen, one right step could change the rest of your life. I want to pray with you and I want us to pray together. I want us to surrender our hearts to him and profess our faith in our risen Lord. Wherever you are, why don't you bow your heads right now and if, if you don't know how to pray, just maybe you can say amen to, to my prayer or maybe you can pray along with me. But Lord, we come to you now in the time of this pandemic, in the time of this struggle and we're even, we're even in our homes on a day that normally we all gather and feel large auditoriums all over this world. God, we're asking you to fill the auditorium of our heart. Fill our living rooms. But more importantly, fill the void in our heart. Father, right now I pray your cleansing and healing and strength. Give us your peace. I pray for that one that is hurting. I pray for that one that's received bad news. I pray for that one that maybe their family or their friends or someone that they love is struggling right now, or perhaps that one that's looking to you right now, and they're about, they feel like they're about to go under. Let the power of resurrection rise up through them in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen and amen and amen. We love to say that three times. Listen, if you said yes to Jesus, I want to congratulate you. In fact, I would love to be here and I started to say shake hands with you in person, but we can't shake hands right now anyway, but I'd love to give you a digital handshake right after this service. I'd love to meet you, and we're going to have a meet the pastor's room right after this service, and just just get with your online host to find out how. One thing that that I have learned through this struggle is how generous you are. I've received phone calls from out of state. Received phone calls from many of you that normally fill these chairs on Sundays asking how can we help and so we 've helped feed those who are hurting, and we 've helped send some food and some love and care to health care workers and we 've helped a few smaller churches who are struggling right now and Thank you for your generosity. There are many ways to give online, and you can see that uh, on uh, on our website and and connect with those uh, the service hosts but we always take our phone in our hand or our giving envelope and just bless it and consecrate it to the Lord. And I want to just bless you today as, as you give. Thank you for your faithfulness. Father, I pray your blessing, your provision. I pray your multiplication, your strength upon your children today. Give us the miracle you know we need in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Listen, God ran out of that grave and because he did, You can too. We're going to worship right now. Run out of that grave by the power of God.